0: and welcome to The Pure Report. I'm your host, Rob Ludeman, and it is time to bring the orange with our special guest today, a two-timer, two-timer club, Hector Montseger. uh We had you on six months ago as our expert, uh, former hacker turned cybersecurity expert. Hector, welcome back to the program. It is great to talk to you again, my friend. All right. Well, first off, it's a pleasure to be here, and
1: thanks for having me again.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I want to get reacquainted because maybe people missed the episode from uh, six months ago, but if not, go check that out on the Pure Report. And we're going to go all inside the mind of a hacker today, as well as promote some, some really great upcoming things that Pure is doing in partnership uh, with you. But uh, how have you been in the last six months since we last chatted? What, uh, what has been going on in your world?
1: Wow, that is a great question because it's been crazy, hectic, busy. I'm sure for you guys as well. Um, on the offensive side, um, in terms of cybersecurity and research and all that, right? Um, it's been it's been relatively busy. A lot of a lot of folks are contacting uh, my pen my pen testing department looking for all sorts of services. People trying to, I would say, organizations really trying to understand um, where they stand in terms of security posture. Um, but as for my personal life, I've been okay. I'm still home, hibernating, um, staying away from, you know, dealing with the pandemic. But yep. aside from that, everything's good on my end.
0: That's good. Well, I'm glad you're healthy. And, and we're all kind of trying to balance that staying home as well as getting out about and still trying to live our uh, our normal lives as best mm-hmm. we can. So I'm glad you've had a good last six months, but let's, let's take a step back and just kind of get reacquainted with you folks that didn't hear from you before, or just because I, I think it's really a, a great uh, story to hear about what you used to do and what you do now, but um, w- w- what are you known for and how did that evolve into what you do now to give people the, you know, kind of the 30,000 foot view of your story?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it's uh it's a long one, but I, I'll, I'll keep it short. <laughs> um, in my previous life, I was the adversary. I was a black hat. Um, I was mostly a hacktivist though. Uh, most of the compromises that I'm known for as Sabu from anonymous and Lulsec, but even before that, back in the early two thousands, uh, Hackwiser, fear of the beer purity, all these different groups. Um, I was really known for just compromising, um, you know, foreign governments. That was kind of my target. Um, it was not lucrative. There's no money in that. Um, and I did a lot of reconnaissance and information gathering and extraction of files and documents and stuff like that. I mean, I'm not proud of that. I I'm not here to really adore of that, but, uh, I tell you that that whole experience, uh, you know, 10 plus years of doing that, um, really gave me some interesting perspective and I'm actually very glad when you guys call me in and you kind of just want to pick away at it and kind of talk about that stuff because, um, believe it or not, you know, one of the issues that we're facing now, you know, as talented as many uh, security enthusiasts and researchers, practitioners are, um, you know, a lot of them are, you know, formally educated. Yeah. Um, they probably never jaywalked in their life, you know. So um, sometimes you need a you need a alternate perspective to kind of help you know, fill in the story. Um, eventually, I was caught and, you know, I did my time and I worked with the FBI very briefly. Um, and now I am a professional in the industry. I, I am still on the offensive side. I do penetration testing and red teaming, social engineering, all of the uh, all of the above. Um, but there is a, a difference as to my position. One that I'm I'm very proud of, and that is that um, you know, when you call me in, you call my team in, um, it's just not a pen test and goal, meaning that we're not just gonna scan your systems and here's your report, and thank you, and, and pay the bill when you're ready. Um, I like to educate my clients and help them get to a place where it makes sense for them why these vulnerabilities existed, why I was able to exploit them, how we could fix them, and what do we do moving forward. Yeah? So that's, that's where I'm at. I'm a former black hat um, that provides perspectives of both the good and the bad to people that are interested.
0: Yeah, so it's really a combination of things, which I think is really, that's what organizations are looking for is, you know, please come figure out the the exploits and work and get in, but also educate, right? Educate us, and since, as you say, most security people have not, uh, have not jaywalked right in their lives. And you come from, from a background where, you know, you've lived it and you know it, and, and there's huge value. And I, I hear there, there might be a, is there a book deal and maybe a feature film going on with your story? Who's going to play you? Brad Pitt, you know, do we have any, <laughs> have any good actors playing you? But Hey, really exciting that there, that there's maybe something cooking there. What what's going on there. And again, it's early, early days, right. To talk about those things, but it sounds like something's cooking in the background.
1: Yeah, well, I've been fortunate that, you know, uh, as uh, as grooming as my story was to me personally, it, it is interesting. Nonetheless, um, I've I've heard from several people in, in law enforcement that um, they've looked at my case psychologically or they've looked at my case um, from the uh, perspective of, of someone analyzing, you know, um, how an attacker thinks and their methodologies and modus operandi. There was a lot of learning that came from my situation. Um, So it's created interest in Hollywood. So there's a feature film in the works. Um, As for the book, it's going to be similar. So you might even have a a dual release or maybe something very close to each other um, where it just talks about my life. It talks about what I did as a hacker um, and kind of like, you know, how I got from there to where I am today, essentially.
0: Yeah. And I think that that's certainly an area that many people would be interested in seeing. So good luck with those endeavors. I would love to see how that evolves and and develops. And we take your really interesting story and and get something out there that people are going to check out. And of course, you know, the creation of of media and movies and things is so much easier now than it was 20 or 30 years ago that uh, things, Mm -hmm. you know, can go to streaming services and whatnot. So um, congrats early on that. But since you're talking about books, um, what's been going on the past couple months i mean we've engaged you here at uh, at pure and you've been a, a great partner and it's certainly a subject that that everybody wants to hear and talk about i mean it's in the news Every day I pull up Twitter, I pull up different articles and feeds that I read, and there's always something around security, always something on ransomware. But we did some work together and and put mm-hmm. out uh, an ebook. What was the what was the gist of the book? And we'd love for people to go check that out, but what were some of the highlights that you were trying to get across in in really kind of a, a short, concise, really easy to consume manner? What was in the book that, that we wrote together? Yeah. Well, that's that's you
1: know I'm glad you brought that up. You know, one of the one of the pleasures that I've had over the last few months has been working with you and your team. Um, you know, Pure Storage has has really, uh, you know, taken taken a next step to, to to dealing with a problem, right? There's a lot of organizations and or vendors out there providing services, um, but there's very few that you know ultimately will spend that extra time to kind of figure out, okay, but well, we have a problem. What's the real solution? How can we, you know, how how can we take our clients to a situation where if Worst case scenario happens. We'll be able to help them in some way, um, and so you know. And I'm usually very cynical, by the way. I don't really often work and partner up with uh, too many uh, organizations, um, and that's that's purely uh, from my, my experience in the security industry. There's a lot of companies out there that, you know, really don't care. So I'm I'm glad I, I'm glad I was able to meet you and Andy Stone, Roger Boss, and the rest yep. of the team. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the ebook itself is fantastic, right? It's it's concise straight to the point, and it kind of gets perspective um, into the ransomware problem. What we're seeing on a day-to-day, um, the evolution of ransomware from back in the days when it was like, "Hey, we've ransomed your computer. Um, you know, send us a physical, you know, snail mail with some money in it, um, and in return you get a key." To now where we have organized, um, decentralized organizations that are selling uh, ransomware agents off to anybody that wants to make some money. Um, it makes it much more complicated to deal with and battle. Um, so for the defensive teams, it becomes almost impossible once an attacker gets into that initial foothold. Um, so in the ebook, we kind of go through that, right? We go through um, some, some methodology, some of the things that are common low hanging fruit attacks that I'm seeing on the day to day. And then I'm exploiting, on internal pen tests or red team engagements. Um, then we have some really great perspective from Andy. Um, Andy Stone did a fantastic job of providing insights in regards to the defensive side. So you have a duality, yeah? You have myself discussing the offensive uh, capabilities of the adversary, what they're looking for. And then you have Andy Stone on the other end discussing the defensive capabilities of what's available today and what organization could do tomorrow or, you know, end of day today. Um, the cool thing is the stats, the numbers are pretty astonishing. Um, you know, we're looking at ransomware attacks that are taking place. Organizations have to pay, um, you know, for whatever reason, they feel like they have to pay these ransoms. And, um, you know, we're, we're at a point where organizations are paying tens of millions of dollars. Um, this is becoming, I would say, uh, uh, you know, what's a good word for this? Um, it's exponential, right? It's yeah. moving forward at a very fast pace. It's not stopping anytime soon. And the book kind of goes into it um, and explains different perspectives on it. So I, I think it's a fantastic read. I, I think the audience should definitely grab a listen, um, rather grab a read.
0: Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. And and if you want to go check that out, you can go to com slash Ransomware, and get the insights and perspectives from Hector on the basics, but also digging in a little bit deeper. The stats I've looked at it—they're fantastic. It really tells you how this has gone from just sort of a, a minor problem to uh, effectively a global business. When you kind of take a step back and look at how it's been, how it's been weaponized, and, and your partnership with Andy, who's, who's one of our field CTOs, um, has been fantastic. And uh, it is just—it is just a great read. So please do go check that out. And while we're on the subject of ransomware. Let's let's dive into that uh, a little bit, right? I mean, you gave a little bit of perspective there on how it's changed and and become more exponential or even let's let's throw in a giant word like ubiquitous, right? It is it is something oh, yeah. that's everywhere. And it's maybe even more of a question of it's it's not an if, but a when, you know, when this is going to happen to you. But how are the attacks evolving? Like I I, you know, I had another pod a couple weeks ago with some of our other experts and there's now these multi vector attacks right where you've just got multiple entities you know hitting different parts and trying to exploit as much as possible but uh, what is going on right there are, are they getting to be more large scale as as that article highlighted you know what are you seeing and 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 how are how are these going ahead and how can you stay stay in front of that
1: well it is a very good um, question uh, is a very good topic to really explore. Um, back when ransomware was taking off, um, especially in the mid two thousands, when uh, you know um, you know the the advent of, of you know cryptocurrencies started to really take off, people started to visualize, I um, even monetize what that would look like. Um, as we get to the two thousand tens, where you have the, the rise of Bitcoin and and uh, you know other cryptocurrencies that, that were available at the time. Um, and are still available today, what you see is that at the beginning, we had a lot of private groups, right? Whether they were nation state actors or um, groups that were sponsored by nation states, um, you know, or even private groups that were just, you know, friends, you know, hanging out at a bar or something. Um, They were very tight knit. There was a closed community. You had several different groups doing different things. Um, They ultimately ended at ransomware because it was a, a solid way of making money. Organizations... Um, started to pay right um, and then what happens at some point is that someone had the brilliant idea of hey you know why don't we decentralize this let's create a ransomware as a service product or platform rather that would allow anyone to take our agents um, infect whatever networks they can um, and then you know let's see what happens let's see if we get paid and it actually worked out very well not only for the ransomware as a service provider but for these random, entry level, mostly neophytes, you know, actors. Um, And I say that because um, a lot of the initial attacks that I saw at least were very, very low hanging fruit. We're talking about um, reuse passwords. We're talking about um, leaked credentials or API keys out of GitHub, Um, you know, or even insider threats, you know, a rogue employee that just said, hey, I want to make a quick buck. You know, let me see if I could run one of these agents on our network the truth of the matter is, is that as, as that became popular and successful, um, you know, we, we ended up where we are now, which is what? We have these different groups like Revel or, or Evil, um, you know, Conti and, and different organizations that offer ransomware as a service, but they're also hiring uh, with salary um, these, uh, I would say initial entry specialists. There you go. That's the term for it. There you go. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, these initial entry specialists are basically, and this is, this is an entire job. Their entire job is to sit there and either do social engineering campaigns, or send USB sticks to organizations, or um, walk into an office and infect a machine, or whatever by any means necessary, infect machines. And in return, Conti, um, I think, was the group that was paying fifteen hundred plus. um, will pay you fifteen hundred dollars, you know, for that for that entrance, um, for that entry point rather. And it, you know, it's As we move forward and as organizations continue to pay these outrageous sums, um, you know, it's just, it's just becoming a real nightmare. Um, And I think that part of the issue is that, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to deal with, um, you know, a, a large group of people that really don't follow one methodology. Okay. That's where it gets complicated for the defenders. Um, and when you have an organization that's large, that's producing a lot of traffic, and your SIM logs are literally tens of thousands of lines per day, as you can imagine, watching for indicators of compromise um, is a very expensive endeavor. That's why organizations that you see the news that you think should be secure are becoming compromised or victims, um, and it's mostly because of that. You know, They, they overlooked one credential, they overlooked one VPN um, you know, a portal without MFA and that's it. That's all it took.
0: Yeah. And it's really hard. I think what you're tying into is it's really hard to attack scale. You know, when we talked six months ago, I think you talked at that time about some of the initial, you know, r- r- ransomware, w- Uh, attacks were just done by kind of rogue people that were out there or the internal that you talk about. And now you've got something that's, that's, you know, on large scale with people that are actually hired to go off and do it. And, you know, you're an IT team. How do you contend with that? What kind of things do you do to deal with the scale? Or is it just sort of, you know, keep doing what you're doing or get knowledgeable, use someone like you and your organization to, you know, to figure out, but what's an IT team to do, to take on, you know, the, the amount of scale and the prevalence of these attacks that are going on right now.
1: I mean, that's, that's another great question. And, you know, we have to start at the very basic. Um, I'll tell you what I'm seeing as a a professional as on the offensive side, what I'm seeing from organizations, um, I've seen a big lapse in asset management, which is a major issue. Um, you know, organizations that have bought into uh, the octas and the duos of the world, um, have not properly implemented those. Um, or they have legacy systems that, um, cannot cooperate or, or, connect with, you know, uh, 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 identity providers. Um, and so, you know, you have these simple issues going back to, uh, the the human level password management issues mm-hmm. that is always the entryway always right. almost always um you've also seen uh, you know the use of zero days or one days these are vulnerabilities that are quote unquote unreleased to the public and or were released like three in the morning last night and um, organizations just simply did not have time or anyone and staff to deal with that asset Um, so, you know, we, we started with social engineering and a human element. Now we're progressing into exploits and the exploitation of hard to find vulnerabilities, sophisticated vulnerabilities. Um, now why is that? What, what's, what's the point there? The point is that these ransomware groups have earned enough money to be able to purchase those $500,000 exploits. Um, you know, being able to access million dollar exploits that they did not have access to, you know, two, three years ago. Unless they were a nation-state actor, so now we have ransomware groups that are probably made up of either teenagers or you know retired security professionals um, that uh, you know essentially uh, have access to weaponized exploits. Um, you know some of these were usually reserved for like governments, right? U.S. government, Israel governments, government of China and Russia, and so on. But now you have regular, normal citizens. Um, with some money and buying power that could access these tools. Um, with that being said, for the IT team, you know, some of the suggestions I always recommend to my clients is, um, you know, let's talk about where you stand in terms of, uh, you know, password security. Do you have MFA enabled? Um, how's your logging capabilities? Do you even have a SIM? Is there Splunk? And is, is there somebody watching that? Right. Um, do you have any sort of parsing that takes place that actually identifies Um, indicators of compromise. Like, why is this random server that hasn't been touched in three years executing the who am I commands at four in the morning, right? These are all IOCs that can be useful in determining a successful attack. Um, But even moving forward, asset management and a solid backup policy, you know, which is why I I hooked up with Pure Storage. I saw that you guys had the capabilities to deal with, um, you know, rapid recovery, uh, recovery and all that cool stuff that, you know, a lot of organizations don't even know exists. So I think it's time to like get it out there like, hey, yeah, let's work on your security. Let's work on the perimeter, your security posture. And let's also look at defensive capabilities and recovery capabilities.
0: Yeah. And these all seem like things that are addressable. I mean, asset management, password management, keeping operating systems, current applying patches when they come out. I mean, those are all things. But I know teams get overburdened and have, uh, have too much to do. But it's going to be necessary because I think, you know, the word that comes to mind is this this ransomware as a service or these it's becoming more mature. Right. I mean, there's new uh, new attacks coming. I think, you know, this summer there was a the the lock file uh, ransomware using uh, intermittent encryption. Right. To to evade detection, it was encrypting files uh, before deleting from from the affected system. Right. So there's always these new things coming out. You know, even with something new like that, are there other are things that admins can do to detect those attacks? Is that part of bolstering up your security ops analytics teams and portfolios? Like what, what can be done around some of these new things that keep coming out? Well,
1: I know a long time ago, there was a company called Tripwire. I believe these still exist. Um, there was other there were other uh, products that came out like Samhain um, and other tools that their entire purpose was to identify changes in files um, periodically. The problem with those kind of tools and, and they're great tools, don't get me wrong, is that since you know hard drives and um, you know file storage systems and and, and, and all that stuff has become so large that running those tools could take several hours. Yeah. Okay. Um, it, it's it's not scalable. So if you have a massive file share in your network that's like 50 terabytes, those tools, even though they work um, it, it, it may not be effective in identifying those changes immediately. Um, so when you look at something like a lock file, which, you know, when, when they say intermittent uh, encryption, basically what it's doing is it'll encrypt, in this case, in the lock file example, it'll encrypt every 16 bytes out of the file. Um, and then, you know, with that, theoretically, the file has not been fully encrypted. So signature-based tools or behavior-based tools may not spot it immediately. Okay. Um, technically, the file is not you know, fully encrypted is actually more corrupted than anything. Um, So I don't think there's a lot of tools available to identify stuff like that. That's some weird behavior that, you know, maybe organizations are working on right now or rather vendors are Um, how how do you detect that. Well, it's become difficult. Um, There's the tools that are available right now may not spot something like that. Well, what if, what if uh, you know, you have an EDR that can spot that. Okay. That's a major investment too for an organization. Um, but let's say you have a sophisticated EDR they could spot that uh, that kind of lock file uh, or payload um, or modification. Well, what if the, the developers say, well, let's make it uh, polymorphic or let's make it so that it, you know, it changes bytes depending on the time of day. So if it's 15, you know, if it's if it's, I don't know, uh, 1556 or is is 890 is 8, you know, thirty two in the morning or whatever. Um, we'll use the, the the minutes portion as our you know a, as our variable. Um, so now we're encrypting or or corrupting every 32 bits of the file or bytes of the file. So it just continues to evolve. And I, I you know this is and again, this from the offensive perspective. Um, I would, you know, I would recommend let's let's try to secure um, you know, that that initial security posture. Let's let's make it extremely difficult and very expensive for an attacker to get into your environment. Um if it takes a million dollar exploit to do so
0: then at least you know you you know you cost them a million dollars yeah. minimum to get into your network. <laughs> They're having to invest quite a bit to try to do that. Yeah, that's right. Indeed. Yeah. Um okay, good. Uh, interesting to get your perspectives around those uh new attack types of vectors, but I know one that we discussed six months ago and we thought we'd be all going back to the office a little bit more and things got kind of paused, but we're, we're approaching that a little bit. Like we're going back some of us into the office, for example, this week at, uh, at Pure Storage in, in smaller quantities. Uh, one of your favorites that you're concerned about is, is employees starting to return to the office and potentially bringing, uh, bringing some bad stuff with them. Um, wh- what are the gotchas that, that orgs are facing now that you start seeing employees on mass returning into the office and they're bringing their laptops, they're bringing their mobile devices and they're connecting into networks, you know, in corporate offices, how, how concerned are you about, uh, about those challenges now that you're going to see lots of people coming back in?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of my concerns for my clients. Um, you know, and it, it's always a, a point of conversation. We always discuss it at some point, either at debrief or that initial conversation, or even um, before we sign a contract. I say, you know, what are you guys, what are you guys doing? Or how have you prepared for, um, you know, these potentially rogue laptops coming into your network? And that, that's separated from the, the concept of like an insider threat or a rogue employee. Mm-hmm. We're talking about employees that are, you know, um, they innocent they're bringing their laptops into your network yeah. and those laptops have probably been affected by adversaries who are having the same exact conversation. Hey, uh, you know, how can we deal with, or rather how can we affect networks for employees that are coming back into the office? Right. Same conversation we're having um, uh, slightly different, obviously slightly different question. Um, and I'm pretty sure that at the very least there's one attacker somewhere in the planet that said, Hey, why don't we create a payload that sits dormant on the computer until it connects to an active directory environment? Once it connects to a corporate network, and once it does, then we'll, we, we will have the payload execute and begin to uh, move laterally across the environment and uh, start to ransomware systems. Um, this is not, this is this probably is already in place right now as we speak, and um, it is a major problem. Organizations have to make a tough decision. Are they going to YOLO it and just say, okay, guys, doors are open, just come in and we'll figure it out as we go. Or are employers organizations going to either purchase new laptops and phones for their, for their employees, or um, are they going to, um, you know, do some, some new workstation or remote workstation office environment thing. Like I know AWS has like a, like a work office VM type of thing um, where, you know, you sign up, you provide your, your employees' accounts, and they log into their browser, and they, they have access to a desktop, right? Um, Citrix has a similar product. There's a lot of different technologies out there for exactly this reason. Think about it kind of like a thin client, yeah? Yeah. Um, so that's, that's, that's something that organizations have to think about. That's an investment, another investment they need to think about.
0: Yeah, and I think I'm now going to start incorporating YOLO it as a term into some of our marketing materials. You know, <laughs> do you, when, sorry, I had to have a little shekel on that. I was That was a really good one. I love the, well, they could YOLO it, you know, just kind of wing it. I love that. That is great. Um, one final story I'd love to get your perspective on, you know, back to to um our evil arrival, um, you know, unleashed a a huge attack um in July. And so it's somewhat current, you know, a dozen countries that were affected, huge tens of millions of dollars of ransom. And then they provided a key and then, you know, they kind of went it away, but you know, folks were left without access to their data, and it and it dovetails with another story that you know one of our experts in this space, Andrew Miller, talks about, where you know even if you get the key, sometimes recovering the data is much much more uh, is much more of an arduous or slow process than actually having a fast recovery. So, given that kind of situation, where either you you don't get access to the data or it takes way too long to recover once, once you get the key, what are you talking to organizations about to ensure that they recover? Right. And I think we're, you know, in tune with what you like about what we do with rapid restore, but also kind of what to do before what to do during and what to do after attack, just to ensure that data is still there. What's, what's, what's your recommendations in that scenario?
1: Well, yeah, absolutely. And that's a tough one. You know, you look at groups like revel um, you know, these are organizations that, um, you know, they're looking for supply chain attacks. They're looking to try to gain or broaden their perspective or rather broaden their, their reach. Um, this is why they were so successful by compromising, you know, the, uh, the organization that, that, you know, kind of yielded, um, access to 1500 clients plus, you know, minus or plus there, um, You know, I I know the organization itself has disbanded. They've broken up into different groups. They were afraid of the consequences of legal action. The FBI were very upset. Interpol was, you know, you know, chattering about, okay, well, we need to step up our offensive against these, these aggressors. Um, And even, even the Russian government was kind of iffy about it. Like, you know, maybe we can't protect these guys. You know, this is too, this is beyond their scope. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, it's, it's definitely a tough one. Um, So what can we do before something like this takes place? Well, first off, this is where asset management becomes a a major deal. You have to know what software you're running in your network in order to protect yourself from a supply chain attack. If you are chained to a vendor um, and you do not feel secure about their product, then you may need to employ um, some network tools, right? Um, If you're running software that you do not trust within your organization, then you could separate it into a separate VLAN and segregate the environments. So if that systems are count, those systems are compromised. At the very least, you could limits the destruction or consequence of that compromise. Um, before it, you know this type of compromise, I would, I would definitely recommend one or two things, or both, if possible, um, segmentation. That um, you know, for for systems that are using products that have auto update features, it sounds kind of crazy that we have, we have to do something like that but since a lot of organizations have not even taken the first step towards a zero trust environment um, you know, that kind of uh, direction is probably, you know, probably makes the most sense. So, you know, let's, let's use the example of let's say um, a supply chain attack takes place whether the solar winds, or a or whatever it is um, you know, the product is a, is a third party product. You don't feel too comfortable with it. You do need its capabilities for whatever reason. Um, and so you segment it into its own VLAN at that, at that point, Worst case scenario is that machine is compromised, they might have access to the domain, maybe do a domain audit, but if they're segmented away from the rest of the network, then okay, you may have paused or or limited the damage. The second thing is, what you have have to understand and the audience, I'm sure um, understands by now, is that these ransomware groups are not only encrypting your files, they're also exfiltrating your files. so if you decide not to pay, not only do you have corrupted files in your network that you cannot access, but now you have the potential for these groups to release your files to the public, which has happened several times already. Um, and it is part of the ransomware techniques or tactics. Um during an attack, let's say you are compromised, they are there is a strain of ransomware spreading through your network. Um, you know, the, the, the thing that we always did back in the days is, hey, disconnects. You know, try to disconnect. Try to separate systems that are compromised from live systems, um, and then you need to bring in your rapid response team if you have one. If not, then you need to, need to take a security team, your engineers, your developers, and kind of work together to try to identify um, what happened, what's happening, how it happens, as soon as you can. Also, you should be on the phone with your vendors that could help you with this. Um, you know, even call me up if you want. Um, contact peer stores, because obviously at that point, you know, you uh, you may need to recover your files. Um, and after the attack, well, you need to be able to document all of the findings, all the indicators are compromised and have a nice report um, for law enforcement. Um, there needs to be accountability. And if organizations decide to play it quiet and they live in a state that does not require uh, a user data breach, um, you know, uh, disclosure um, by the attorney generals, then um, you're just perpetuating the problem. So definitely do a, a postmortem report, have it ready because you need to bring in law enforcement.
0: That is a lot. And, you know, I think folks are susceptible to those kinds of attacks. So things definitely to be prepared with and we're so pleased that you're working with us and and helping to promote some of the great technologies we have with safe mode and wrapper recovery that you've you've talked about already with with you know recovery at scale so you know thank you for that and uh, and for your insights Um, absolutely appreciate that great perspectives Uh, any final thoughts and then I want to promote the webinar that you're doing coming up because we're really excited to have you uh, have you for that but any final thoughts for folks out there around uh, around ransomware and security
1: Absolutely. Um, so here are my final thoughts. And again, I'm on the offensive side, right? If you speak to a defender, they may have similar or similarly similarly aligned perspectives. Um, their their methodology on defending the infrastructure may be different. I would recommend that if you're listening um and you are not part of your defensive team, um, sit down with your security engineers, your network engineers. Uh, your internal pen testers, if you have any, your developers, if they're involved in any way in systems administration. And let's talk about it, right? Talk about where you guys stand. Where does the organization stand? If the organization is compromised, what's the worst case scenario? Do we have a solid backup policy in place? Um, if an attacker gets access to that backup pod, uh, backup system, uh, would they be able to modify and or delete or encrypt you know, the, 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 the backup storage or files? Um, you know, where are we in terms of asset management? How is our password policy looking like? Um, do, are we doing any sort of IT governance? Um, and what what are we doing about shadow IT, right? These are conversations that need to be had. Yes, they're time consuming. And yes, more likely you will have to spend money at some point. Um, the reality is that, you know, if you cannot, if you do not have the budget for this quarter, I would recommend you go to executives, the board, and say, look, we are in a tough spot. Um we cannot give you a, a definitive response if you were to ask us if we're ready for ransomware attack. Um, communication is key, just like any relationship. Uh, you need to communicate your concerns and, you know, let your organization know where you stand or where it stands. I think that those are final words that I think is very important. And I hope that uh, that, you know, after this, after people listen to this, they uh, they go back to their team and have a conversation.
0: Yeah, it sounds like just getting talking and bringing all the the necessary and connected parties in is one of the really great first steps. And hopefully folks out there are already doing that or maybe need to expand that. Uh, a little bit. Well, we are super excited to have had you here on the podcast. We also are excited uh, to have you as the keynote for an upcoming webinar. I know we did something with you back in March and man, it was, it was super, super popular. We had huge attendance to that. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of interaction, (laughs) uh, question. I mean, people are really super interested in this. So based on that demand, right. When people like something and want to hear something, we're bringing you back. And so there is a new, webinar Before. yeah which will be going on during Cybersecurity awareness month which is october super cool and you are joining the aforementioned andy stone as well as uh, our beloved sean rosemarin who's been on this program multiple times and you guys are the featured speakers to uh to take this on uh quick a preview of what you guys are going to go into some of what we've been talking about and a little bit more
1: yeah, well, you know, one of the things that we we will definitely touch on, aside from the conversation we've had so far yeah, today, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, accountability, right? right? There's there's a lot of discussion about um, organizations kind of perpetuating the problem, right? Uh, maybe there's concerns about budgets. Maybe there's concerns about well, can my team deal with this? And if you if you if your team cannot deal with it, then maybe you know we need to figure out how we can make it so they can deal with it. Um, you know, we have to work together as a community and, you know, and, and that, that, that requires reaching out. Um, there's a lot of vendors that, you know, uh, are run by, by employees that are scared to speak up. Well, it's time yeah. to speak up. Yeah. If we don't speak up, we're going to continue having this exponential crisis and it's, So that's one of the
0: areas we're going to discuss. I think it's going to be a fun conversation. No, it's going to be great. I mean, fun to get, you know, you always can go super deep technically on these things, but also to learn a little bit more about the cultural and the business implications as well. So um, please join us. It's October 27th. 3:30 uh, p.m. Eastern Time, 12:30 Pacific here in the US. and of course, available for those that want to uh, stay up at late hours internationally. And of course, we'll also replay it for you after the fact. But do register now, go to peerstorage.com/black hat, all one word, black hat. And, uh, well, when we publish this episode, that site will be up and we'll be live and Hector, we look forward to having you on, man. I really appreciate this. I always learn something when we, uh, when we talk and just the wealth of information that you have and all the great things that you're doing out there, uh, helping folks from an offensive standpoint is, uh, is just fantastic. So, um, good luck in the webinar. Thanks for joining me again. And geez, if you'll do it. I'd love to have you on again in, uh, let's say, another six months because this All area is always right. always evolving and changing, right? Always something new to talk about. But thank you for joining today. Well, thank you so much.
1: And a, a big shout-out to you, Roger Boss, uh, Andy Stone, um, Sean, the rest of the team that have been uh, very open and very kind to me. I appreciate you guys. And I'm looking forward to the uh, the webinar. So please sign up and and you know ask some questions there, guys. Let's go.
0: That's it. Let's go. I love let's go. And that is a great way to end it. So thank you again to Hector for joining this episode of the Pure Report. Amazing insights and details into everything going on in ransomware and security. And a reminder, please do go register for our webinar at purestorage.com blackhat and you will get to hear more with him and Andy and Sean. And please keep coming back to the Pure Report. We appreciate you listening, telling colleagues, keep sending in the suggestions for topics and we will keep bringing on great guests like Hector. And with that, we will wrap for Pure Storage and Hector Monseeter. This is Rob Ludeman saying, don't look back. Something might be gating on you.